USAA is proudly celebrating 100 years of serving the military community. It was a group of soldiers who launched USAA in 1922 by joining together to insure each other's vehicles when no one else would. Since then, USAA has grown to more than 13 million members strong. And through it all, one thing has remained. USAA is still serving the military community and their families. Find out more at USAA.com 100. This episode of Veterans Voice is from the podcast archives and focuses on the topic of suicide awareness and prevention as we pause to acknowledge this devastating tragedy affecting our veterans. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please dial 988 plus one for the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Listen in today to hear about how we are taking on this challenge in our veteran community. Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, a proud partner of Next Chapter, a community wellness collaborative serving veterans and their families. Locations in Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad. If you or someone you know might be considering suicide, dial 988, then press 1. And hot! Welcome to the Veterans Voice, presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, originating from the Optum Podcast Studio in partnership with podcast channel sponsor, Medicare Mentors, technology partner, Colorado Computer Support, and supporting partner, the WireNut Home Services. Our guest today on Veterans Voice is Dwayne France. He is a retired Army non-commissioned officer and combat veteran and a clinical mental health counselor licensed to practice in Colorado. He is currently the co-director of the Service Members, Veterans and Military Families Technical Assistance Center, a program of the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Welcome, Dwayne, to Veterans Voice. Thank you, Nanette. Thank you so much for having me. It is so good to hear your voice. I'm really looking forward to talking about what you've been doing in the suicide prevention arena, because I know that is your forte. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. It's definitely a, a been a passion um, it, for many of us. I think uh, we all have a number, and the number of is those that we have served with that we've lost to suicide. And uh, for many of us, again, it's it's m even more than probably those that we have uh, uh, lost during combat or, or other types of situations. Um, so I think that it's a, a number for many service members and veterans that is gonna continue to grow um, throughout our lives. And it's really an important topic. Many people are passionate about it, but it's also something a lot of people aren't really sure what to do with. It, it's a rough one. We are losing approximately 22 veterans a day to suicide. There's uh, there's some challenges when it comes to the data related to military and veteran suicide. Um, that 22 a day number was actually based on a 23, 2013 study um, that even when the study came out, it indicated that it wasn't necessarily accurate. It didn't include states like Texas and Florida, which were obviously one of the top three states. Um, that have veteran deaths. I, I think really it's more important to to identify uh, things like uh, what is it in a particular state or even in a community. Um, the the challenges I think around uh, suicide deaths generally and also veteran deaths in particular um, is how um, how they're counted, how they're captured, uh, how it comes from the coroner's office, um, and really 
even identifying how many of those deaths are active duty deaths or in the Guard and Reserve and how many are in the veterans. And so um, while the, the data, the numbers are, are can be shocking, really, I think it's more important the support that we're providing to people to ensure that it doesn't happen. Here's a quick word from our sponsors. Veterans Voice is produced in the Optum Podcast Studio. Optum Colorado and Mountain View Medical Group, part of Optum, offer 20 clinics throughout the Pikes Peak region. Their primary and specialty care doctors provide quality patient-centered care backed by Optum's industry-leading health services and technology. Optum is dedicated to helping our community live healthier while keeping care affordable. Visit OptumCare.com Colorado to learn more and schedule your appointment today. When it's time to consider your Medicare options, it's time to talk with Medicare Mentors. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, is veteran-owned, a long-standing Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center partner, and the Veterans Voice podcast channel provider. More than that, they go above and beyond to make sure that when you need them, they're there lending a helping hand. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, always above and beyond. Visit MedicareMentorsLLC.com for more information. Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, facilitating successful transitions for veterans and their families with job placement assistance, wellness services, and more. Locations in Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad. Get started today at VeteransCenter.org. You're listening to The Veterans Voice, presented by USAA, in partnership with Optum, Medicare Mentors, Colorado Computer Support, and the WireNet Home Services. For those of you who are not aware, Dwayne is the 2019 El Paso County Veteran of the Year, and his focus has been helping veterans prevent suicide. What are some of the risk factors for suicide that are unique to our veterans, service members, and their families? Because spousal suicide is also an issue, I understand. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think one of the most important things to consider is that suicide is really a lagging indicator of other underlying unresolved problems. Um, You know, suicide, while it is a problem, it's not the problem that needs to be solved. What needs to be solved is whatever is causing individuals to to sort of get into that place. Uh, So there are a number of things uh, that that we can consider as far as protective factors that keep people from getting into a suicidal crisis. Things like connectedness. Um, You and I have known each other for years. We're well connected within our community and even nationally. But ensuring that veterans are connected to other veterans, that they're connected to services, um, is really a critical thing that that we have seen that will keep someone, even if they are in a crisis, that it doesn't become uh, a life-endangering crisis. Um, The other thing is really about sort of socioeconomic support. Um, a, A colleague of mine says it's very hard to think uh, think about your inner child when you don't know where you're sleeping or eating tonight. Um, and so really socioeconomic factors, things like um, stable housing, uh, stable employment, um, even educational supports um, that can lead to a higher standard of living. You and I know um, a, a lot of individuals who have chosen not to access um, disability um, payments from the VA that they're entitled to um, that can really 
um, support their lives and make sure that that things are there. And then finally, an, a third protective factor is things like just general education and awareness about warning signs, being able to be more comfortable about sort of reaching out for support. Um, and, and those are things for, for support organizations, uh, you know, like Mount Carmel and, and other communities, to be able to say that we're providing those resources and being aware that if somebody is in crisis, how can we help them? So hopefully those things putting those things in place can keep someone from getting into a crisis. But if they are in a crisis, there's particular risk factors that if they don't have access to appropriate in, in mental health care, um, where they're finding a clinician that knows their, you know, knows the military culture. Um, another significant risk factor is access to firearms. Um, we do know nationally that um, most suicide deaths um, occur by firearm, uh, and that's even greater in the military and veteran population. Uh, and when we talk about firearms, we're not saying that veterans can't have guns and you can't have access to guns. But when we're in a crisis, um, we, we should not have things close to our hands or, or available to us that could make that, uh, that crisis lethal. And so I really educating things uh, around firearm safety and, and things like that um, can be really beneficial. And then finally, as we were talking before, just the risk factors of, of being exposed to other suicides. So what do we do when, when someone, either a family member or someone that we know about that we serve with died by suicide, how are we supporting that? Um, in, in ensuring that those, uh, those crises don't spread. If you can break the cycle of, I want to commit suicide, I've got a, a gun at my fingertips, by a five-minute break, you've got a much better opportunity of stopping that suicide from occurring at that point in time. And so keeping the gun in one room locked up and the bullets in another locked up so that it has to be an intentional decision um, is one of the things I've heard preached about recently, particularly gun safety. Yeah, that's that's absolutely it. And, and we call that time-based suicide prevention. And, and as we experience the crisis, and especially an extreme crisis such as a, a suicidal crisis, um, that really the more time that we give in between an impulse uh, to take uh, an impulse to take one's own life um, and then, you know, the actual action, um, the more likelihood that it's going to be um, that, that that person's going to survive. So like you said, ensuring that there is some measure of distance between or, or a lack of access to, and again, it's not, not even firearms. If someone is experiencing a crisis um, and they express that they're going to, you know, drive and create, cause a single vehicle accident, well, how do I keep my keys away from me? Um, one of the things that we've actually seen nationally is with our Pacific Island and even our, our, our Atlantic territories, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Guam, American Samoa, um, is that the, the primary uh, uh, method of suicide in those locations is hanging. Um, and so, or asphyxiation. Um, and so any way that we can keep a, the, the measure, the, the method um, of, of someone's intent, um, the, the longer we can put between the intent and the action, the greater the chance that we're going to have to reach out and say, hey, how can I help you? How can I connect you to resources? Let's come back to that in a second, Dwayne. I need to take a break. And now a brief word from our sponsor. Every season brings a new strain on your home systems. Veterans Voice Partner, the WireNet Home Services, is the company you can count on to handle your heating, cooling, and electrical needs. They're family-owned, 
proud to employ honest, hardworking Coloradans. And when you need plumbing, heating, cooling, or electrical help, the WireNet does that. Call 719-399-5021. That's 719-399-5021. Imagine never having to worry about your information systems ever again. Colorado Computer Support is the exclusive Veterans Voice technology partner meeting all of our computing needs. Colorado Computer Support is veteran-owned, and they're your team for innovative collaborative IT services and solutions to enhance and support your Colorado business. When you need IT services to keep your business going, make sure the Colorado Computer Support team is on your team. Call 719-355-2440 to learn more. That's 719-355-2440. You're listening to The Veteran's Voice, presented by USAA, in partnership with Optum, Medicare Mentors, Colorado Computer Support, and the WireNet Home Services. Welcome back to The Veteran's Voice, presented by USAA and coming to you from the Optum Podcast Studio. I'm Nanette Bray-Day. Our guest on this segment is Dwayne France with the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, and we are talking about suicide prevention issues. Dwayne, welcome. Thank you, Nanette. So uh, so glad to be here. We were talking about time and distance and keeping the ability to commit suicide away from the hands of someone who is in crisis mode. Um, what are your suggestions and recommendations? Well, I think uh, for a lot of um, a lot of people and in service members, veterans themselves, but also their families and people that support them, um, is just simply education. I think again, uh, we we all want to say, you know, we don't want anybody that we love to take their own life or to engage in self harm. Um, but it's but the next question is, okay, I don't want that, but then what do I do? And so, really, education is key. Um, even when I was working as a clinical mental health counselor and even in the work that I do now, um, I would only see veterans for one hour out of the week, but their spouse, their children, their friends, the people they work with saw with them, you know, the the rest of the time, right? And so really it's one of these things where suicide is not, uh, suicide prevention is not a, a just something for clinical mental health providers. Like if the mental health space, if we as clinicians had the answer, the problem would be solved by now. Um, really, it's it's something for everyone. I know that you have worked in employment support uh, for for a very very long time, and and worked with uh, organizations that really helped with economic stability. As I mentioned before, that is a key protective factor. In that, if veterans' lives, if veterans' family members' lives are well, if they're good, if they're not experiencing stressors related to those type of things, um, then it's less likely that they're going to get into a crisis. And so, when you were helping veterans find jobs, you were also preventing suicide. Our colleagues in the community that are preventing homelessness, they're not just helping veterans get housed; they're also preventing suicide. And I think that's really the biggest thing: is suicide prevention is not something that only belongs to a small handful of of suicide prevention specialists or um, or mental health professionals. It's really everyone's job. The conversation that you and I are having right now is prevention, uh, suicide prevention, and helping people to, to be more aware about the situation. And I recognized early on when we were teaching um, the transition course that 
identifying your purpose in life was critical component to suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. You have to have self-identify and have a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to keep living. And that purpose and the job and the job title associated with are part of that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think that's one of the unique things when it comes to service member and veteran suicide is that when we were in the military, that was baked in. Like the job that we did, the purpose that we had, the, the thing that we had to do every day was meaningful. It was it was sort of built in together into that thing. We all knew that we were serving a greater purpose, um, even if it was a matter of being connected to a unit or serving our, our nation or things like that. When a service member leaves the military, maybe they find a purpose as like something to do. Maybe they have a job, but that job's not meaningful to them. And so you're exactly right. I think that's really one of the challenges that I saw both as a clinician and in a broader space is not having that purpose and meaning in post-military life. A lot of veterans sort of flounder and say, well, what do I do? How do I engage? What, what, is, what is my life's worth to, uh, what is my life's work worth to me now? Um, and that really can be something that's, you know, it, it's beyond just PTSD and traumatic brain injury. That's like existential psychology um, of, of what do I do with the rest of my life and how do I make it meaningful? And you're absolutely right. Helping people find that meaning and purpose in their lives can really be a protective factor against suicidal crises. I had an aha moment during our conversation when you said that suicide prevention is a cross-generational issue within the family. And I'd never really thought about the family being involved in identifying suicide issues and getting in front of those. What are your tips? Well, I, I think, again, the, the initial thing is to educate people. Um, I think, again, you and I have known each other for a number of years, but my father was a Vietnam veteran. My first, even before I came, became a clinical mental health counselor, my first suicide intervention was when my father, a Vietnam veteran, was in a crisis. I was in Germany and I was on the phone with him and, and had to ask him the question, is this what we're dealing with right now? Um, and when he said yes, it was, it was life-changing life for me um, and life-shaking for us, but we got him the help that he needed and we got him the resources and that we were able to successfully step in because I asked the question and he felt trustful enough with me to be able to answer that question honestly. Um, and then, of course, um, and now I have grown children um, and my spouse, as you had mentioned, um, caregiver suicide is becoming a significant concern um, uh, along with uh, actual service member and veteran suicide. Um, and so really, this is one of the things I, I, I had a, um, a guest on, on one of my shows one time who um, is uh, in uh, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, a national leader in, in firearms. Um, and two of his sons were in the military. Um, it, one was a ranger, um, one was in the infantry. And he said, I understood as a parent that I needed to be worried about them when they were deployed. Nobody told me I'd have to be worried about them for the rest of their lives as a parent. Now I have to be concerned or should be concerned with what's gonna happen 10, 15, 20 years from now. And I think just having those conversations with our service members and with our families, those of us who are veterans with our families, and say, this is what it looks like when I'm not doing well. This is what it looks like when, when I'm not in the right kind of, of mindset, or, or this, is, this is what it looks like when I'm stressed or I'm in crisis. 
having those conversations when you're not in crisis can ensure that if there is a crisis that's going to happen, the family's going to be able to be there to support you. And being willing to talk about it and identify it up front, I, I totally agree. There's a veterans crisis line. I want to share the number with people for a moment. It's 988 and then press 1. Again, that veterans crisis line is 988, then press 1. It's time to get in front of that. But besides suicide, what are some of the other mental health concerns that many service members and veterans face, and how can people support them? When I think you you um, identified one before um, that that idea of how do I find purpose and meaning in my life after the military. A lot of times we focus, as I mentioned before, um, about PTSD. We're talking about post 9/11 veterans. PT post traumatic stress disorder is a a, a normal topic um, for many people. Uh, different things. Some people call it post traumatic stress injury. Some people call it post-traumatic stress. Um, you know, as a clinician, I, I look at the clinical definition of PTSD. Um, but really, not every veteran, not every combat veteran, not, especially not even veteran themselves, um, experiences post-traumatic stress disorder. It's a very uh, much more narrow um, uh, condition to be defined um, than many people think that any veteran, every veteran comes out with PTSD. One of the things we are seeing with the post 9-11 veteran generation uh, specifically is traumatic brain injury. Um, the, the improvements in battlefield medicine, the improvements in uh, equipment have ensured that there's more survivability. So we have less casualties, less KIAs than in previous conflicts. But with that survivability, we have more catastrophic injury and we are seeing that traumatic brain injury is, a, is an issue. Uh, but beyond those two, and if everybody thinks there's a pie, those are the two slices of the pie. But you and I, having both served, we know that substance use is a, a, a very significant concern um, in, in the military and veteran population. The military is a drinking culture, but not only the drinking culture, um, things like, especially early on in the conflicts, um, you know, painkillers, opioids to, to, um, uh, to, to manage pain. Um, the, the opioid epidemic in the veteran in the military population has really transitioned to an opioid epidemic in the veteran population. Um, so that's a challenge to be considered. Um, and then, of course, there's things like uh, moral injury. This is a construct that has really um, sort of developed over the last 10 or 15 years, a little similar to post-traumatic stress disorder, but really different. Things like survivor's guilt, how I believe the world is, how safe the world is, um, what's right and wrong in the world, uh, those things can be changed uh, by military ser service and especially combat. Um, and then finally, as we were just talking, relationships are key. Relationships are significantly supportive for military and veterans. Um, and the veterans that I've worked with, if they're struggling with PTSD, if they're struggling with depression and anxiety, even things like moral injury and lack of purpose and meaning, as long as they have their substance use under control and they have strong relationships, the rest of it can really be managed through treatment. If substances are really in the mix and that veterans are estranged from relationships, they're isolated from relationships, that's when things can really go south pretty quickly. It sounds like we need to reach out to veterans in our community, our friends, and say, let's go to dinner together. Let's go down to the VFW or let's go to TRIA. Um, let's go to a meeting together. Let's do something together, even if it's going walking or hiking or to a movie. It doesn't matter. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, produced a, a time-limited show in partnership with Military Times called Seeking the Military Suicide Solution. And this was a show that I produced um, in partnership with a colleague, uh, Shauna Springer, who um, we had conversations with over 50 nationally recognized experts on suicide um, prevention in the military and veteran space, um, people with lived experience, um, suicide loss survivors, uh, veterans who have who have survived an attempt. Um, and really, we, we gathered a whole bunch of themes and different things that were really, uh, you know, that came out of these conversations, but it all boiled down to genuine connectedness saves lives. So connecting veterans to their communities, like you were talking about, these different organizations, connecting veterans to each other, um, and really connecting veterans to services. And so out of all of these 50-something conversations, and I think we, we came up with like 120 different quotes and about 14 different themes, and really it all boiled down to genuine connectedness is what's going to save lives. Dwayne, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. It you make my heart happy knowing someone's got their arms around what's going on in the military community when it comes to suicide prevention, substance abuse, and mental health. How can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I'm a big guy both in real life and online, so as long as you spell my name correctly, I'm not too hard to find. <laughs> Um, but uh, generally, the, the one place where I think uh, everything is, is uh, I have a website called VeteranMentalHealth.com, all one word, VeteranMentalHealth.com. Uh, and so there, um, you know, I've got some books there. I've got uh, uh, over 300 different articles uh, on uh, different aspects, some of the things that we talked about today. Um, and then uh, definitely all of the podcasts that I'm involved in are also there. Thanks a million for being with us today. And Nanette, thank you so much for having me and, and being such a great advocate for veterans in our community. You're welcome. And the same to you. It's been a pleasure speaking with Dwayne France today from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. I'm Nanette Brede coming to you from the Optum Podcast Studio. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans, have you downloaded the VA Health and Benefits mobile app? It makes it easy to manage your appointments, message your healthcare teams, and view claims and appeal status. In a newer feature, the app also allows you to review prescriptions in just a few clicks. Veterans can request refills of VA-issued prescriptions, track prescription shipments, view prescription history, and more. You can log into the app to quickly manage your VA prescriptions from anywhere. Download the app on your iPhone or the Google App Store or wherever you get your mobile apps. That's the VA Health and Benefits mobile app. Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, a proud partner of Next Chapter, a community wellness collaborative serving veterans and their families. Locations in Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad. If you or someone you know might be considering suicide, dial 988, then press 1. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans, do you want to preserve your stories of military service? Visit the Library of Congress Veterans History Project at loc.gov vets. 
Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, facilitating successful transitions for veterans and their families with job placement assistance, wellness services, and more. Locations in Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad. Get started today at VeteransCenter.org. You've been listening to The Veterans Voice, presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center and originates from the Optum Podcast Studio located on the Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center campus in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The podcast channel is provided by Medicare Mentors. Computing Power is provided by Technology Partner Colorado Computer Support. Additional funding is provided by Supporting Partner The Wirenut Home Services. Veterans Voice airs on flagship station KRDO News Radio Sundays at 7.30 a.m. The podcast publishes Saturday at 8 a.m. and is available on all your favorite podcast apps.